Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 o'clock, and up next, Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school, get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light, light them up boys, there's your picture, drop the This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, May the 1st, 2012. It's May Day, folks. Oh, the pagans celebrated the sexy side of things on the 1st of May. You know, the Dionysian stuff. They put up these phallic maypoles. They... Uh, they went for the ecstatic old gods, the ancient religion. Yes, give me that old-time religion. Holy Mother, yes, we go to the woods and dance all day and dance all night. And, of course, then, we come out of the woods because May Day is also a day of liberation. Uh, it's uh, liberation on the political level, you know, um... For the workers, right. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd get up this morning and sing the old song, but um, I used to play the International on KPFA once in a while, and it upsets people. I wonder why. Anyway, it reminds me of all those parades and public displays in the socialist days of yore. Uh, Yes, who was it? George Bernard Shaw. He said, we should have had socialism long ago. But for the socialists, anyway, still some of that is going on. Yes, Jane Fonda always said, don't say socialism, say economic democracy. It's the economy, idiota. Right, yes, idiots everywhere. Uh, money, money, money. Uh, anyway. The Occupy movement is trying to keep the ball rolling today. They're out there. Put on your funny hats, folks, and go to the demo. Liberty is always the goal of the human spirit, no matter how we go for it. Uh, whether it's sensual, personal freedom, you know, ecstatic physical pleasures, or socio-political freedom, the right to earn a living wage, to work in a just society. You know, the kind of world, the one where the laborer is worthy of her hire. Uh, just imagine it. A world in which each one does her share and each earns what he needs to care for his folk, you know. He practices husbandry. That means take care of things. 
in America, that dream is dying. It is closing time in the gardens of the West. Da 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 da. No use crying. No use crying. History. History is nothing, folks, if not a box of chocolates. Yes, maybe the next dark truffle will be full of surprises. Stop that! Stop that, Jennifer. Block that metaphor. I am here to be a culture critic. That's my job. I wrote a, a magnum opus about being a culture critic, <laughs> and I I threw it away. No, I put it in the bottom drawer. I'm saving it for the marathon to try to talk about what I think I'm doing here, and whether it's any use or whether it's just. A bore, this search for the zeitgeist, for the spirit of the age, you know, you get your finger on the pulse, um, try to dig out some progressive messages and see whether the artists can help us, you know, I have this uh, mantra, all about aesthetics being the mother of ethics, <laughs> and that'll stop them dead, right, anyway, Yeah, I still believe if you tenderize people, if you give them a liberal education, you know, uh, if you make them see that the human has a heart, that kind of thing, that uh, uh, maybe, yes, maybe if Timothy McVeigh had gone to modern dance class, you know, The artists of our time keep trying. There's a handful of them. They're still out there. They're writing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I like the ones that have written this uh, show Veep, the one with Tina Fey. But I don't want to get into that one. Uh, they're British writers, but they've written a new satire about a woman who's trying to be the vice president. And since Tina Fey is a, such a hit, you know, she's did the show satirizing Sarah Palin. I watched the first two episodes and I'm still not hooked, but I'll try. This week, the big one, the big metaphor or the big, oh, what is that message, uh, was on Nurse Jackie. Uh, it was about motherhood. I I always love to get into the the horrors of motherhood. Uh, the images we're getting these days. What are we giving birth to, you know? Oh, the the horror. Marlon Brando talking about the horror in Apocalypse Now. Anyway, society is giving birth to, um, what is that? Uh, a baby or a bomb? Who knows? Anyway, Nurse Jackie is a half-hour show on cable TV. It's on the Showtime channel. And Edie Falco plays Nurse Jackie. Love Edie Falco. Um, she got a, a big name playing the wife in The Sopranos. And uh, she went on to do this Nurse Jackie, which is a show about a woman who is much more like the actor Edie Falco. Uh, she and the role. It's a wild card. Uh She's liberated, but she's also a junkie. No, it's a problem. The show tries to illustrate our social malaise, especially where it concerns the health care industrial complex that all takes place in an emergency room. Uh, and we see what is happening to the all-American 
health care system, um, there's a character in the show who plays Jackie's pal, a British doctor. Uh, she says things like, only in your country, that is America, only in your country is pregnancy viewed as some sort of an affliction. She's being told that um, she should file for, uh, well, somebody says to her, you've heard of STDs? And she said, what? <laughs> they said, short-term disability, dear. If you're pregnant, you know, they'll call you disabled. So be disabled. Best advice around. In any case, on the show this past weekend, uh, we are presented with this pregnant British physician. Uh, she's in the ER, and in comes a patient with a broken hand, the result of a fight apparently with an ex-fiancé. The cops bring her to the hospital rather than the police station because... Uh, uh, she looks to be eight months pregnant or so or in an advanced stage of pregnancy. Uh, she's acting very bizarre. Uh, Rosie Perez, the only one who could get away with this role, uh, a unique actor. I'm sure you remember her from Do the Right Thing with, um, oh, the movie with Spike Lee, uh, Anyway, the British doctor suspects something. She orders an ultrasound and uh, discovers there is no pregnancy. Uh, Nurse Jackie is startled. Uh, I was startled. I was quite shocked. Uh, apparently, it is possible to look eight months pregnant and just have a very large tumors, something I had never heard of. It's called a desmoid tumor. That's D-E-S-M-O-I-D. Benign but deadly. The patient has only weeks to live. <laughs> they all share stories about their respective tattoos. After all, this is a comedy. Rosie Perez has fun with her list of things to do before the end of time. She gives... Nurse Jackie, her Vicodin, saying she doesn't want to miss a miserable second. You know, she uh, wants to live while she's living. Uh, <laughs> Jackie throws it in a dumpster because she's trying to quit. And then she dives in the dumpster to get it back. Anyway, uh, Rosie Perez has wonderful lines talking about what a ball she's having out on the subway drinking malt liquor in one hand, smoking cigarettes in the other, while people yell at her about, uh, you know, pregnancy and alcohol not mixing. Uh, she pokes at her belly and describes her two favorite tumors. Um, the one on the left, I think she calls one of them alien. She calls the other tumor predator. All right, yeah, once again, block that metaphor. The writers are having a ball telling the audience that uh, we're giving birth to monsters. Um, Rosie Perez says her fast-growing monsters have taken a spurt. Uh, so, right, they're not, they're not babies, they're just... Predator, predator and alien. 
I don't think anyone else but Rosie Perez could have pulled this off, come to think of it. Uh, I remember wincing once when our good President Barack Obama, the dear man, made a remark about predator drones. Someone had said something he didn't like about one of his daughters. Well, I, I'm not going to go on about that because uh, we have to count on Barack Obama to do the right thing after he's done all the wrong things, right? Uh, it, uh, oh dear, it made me it made me sad to think that he was capable of a threat. He, uh, well, I thought he was out of line. Uh, bad form, bad form to talk about whether or not you could send a predator drone. Oh, the only time I ever heard him indicate that uh, his hand is on the weapons in any case. Uh, I'm thrilled with the writers on Nurse Jackie and a couple of other shows. They're always willing to go for broke. Uh, box the compass, you know, to paint the pain in these bright red colors try to laugh at all these absurdities and cruelties of the day. Uh, I'm getting addicted to cable TV, if only because I've been so damn sick this year. <laughs> yes, the last couple of weeks I was so sick I almost became a Catholic. Any attempts at satire always cheer me up. I always figure uh, something somewhere is worse than my life, right? Just lately, though, I, I noticed there is an awful lot of bloody torture on television. Uh, perhaps a little more than we need. I mean, certainly real life is adequate. Uh, the Borgias, uh, so gorgeous but gory lately. Um, medieval torture chambers, you know. The cadaver of a raped nun lying beneath the painting made of the Nanias when she was alive, when she was in love with Cesare Borgia, when she still had all that long gold hair. Anyway, uh, monsters everywhere. <laughs> the blasted bodies of women are particularly fashionable. Uh, the theme of motherhood uh, is, uh, what is that, uh, it's kind of a special, double-edged, hideous sword. It's a show called Game of Thrones on HBO. And we see the Red Witch of the New Religion. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. Um, she has auburn hair to die for. And she lies on the floor of a great cave, a hideous, dark cave, and gives birth to a... Uh, crawling, creeping demon, demon. He looks a little bit like, well, kind of a shadow of the alien in the movie Alien. Basically, though, just, just the black smoke coming out of this nude woman, the red witch. I, I love the, the prayers in Game of Thorns. They all swear by the old religions and the new. You know, don't, don't miss a bet, folks, you know. Uh, Swear by all the religions while you're at it. Uh, actually, in that show, Game of Thrones, I liked better the uh, the healthy blonde. Uh, she keeps saying she's not a princess. She's a Khaleesi. She married the uh, the barbarian, the guy who's the the wildest, uh, most 
so-called primitive character. Uh, there are at least five, I think seven, uh, people after the throne there, kings and princes. But Khaleesi is adorable. She has this, uh, what, uh, hair made of gold straw and lovely complexion. And she gives birth to adorable little dragons. They're just, 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 uh, oh, kittenish. They're just so sweet. I think there are three of them. She carries them around in little cages and holds them in her hand. I can't wait to see what their genetic prognosis will be by the time the show is over, I'm sure. The dragons will have devoured the the uh, smoky demons that the Red Witch has given birth to. Anyway, motherhood ain't what it used to be. I'm getting ready for Mother's Day, and I can't figure out... Uh, just what I could do to make a spin, uh, it just explodes around in my feeble imagination. My cerebral cortex is all itchy and, <laughs> anyway, all that grief and anxiety about the real war, the war on nature, you know, and the war on women. I like it that the politicians have come up with that phrase again. A war on women. Uh, I hope it works. The, I mean, the, the PR. Uh, I think if they really understand it, they do know or they do recognize that the war is on joy, on the god Eros, the life force. It's my favorite battle. Eros and Thanatos, life and death, boys and girls. Uh, feminist six. Fascists, nine. Anyway, we see the green man, the wick, the wick of a plant. I always look at the little wick inside when I'm gardening, and I think, there it is. That's the life force. They call the gods, right, the horned god, all that joy and warmth. When we know there's a spark of life, uh, a world in which I see it, a world in which... Love can make a comeback. Love is all there is time for, after all. Uh, I worry so much about the love laws. Uh, Arundhati Roy writes about the love laws in her novels. I guess I, I think of it as the love laws being the laws that, that don't forbid marriages. Those laws don't lock up children. There's no such thing as an illegitimate child, maybe an illegitimate parent, but... You know, uh, I want to live in a world in which morality is defined as anything, any damn thing that lessens suffering on earth. If somebody asks you, is that a moral choice? Say, well, is there less suffering or more? <laughs> too many births uh, is surely too much suffering, yes, uh, I remember Mother Teresa used to say how good it was for us to care for the suffering multitudes, how we should never have abortions. We should simply, you know, have the babies and abandon them to be aided by such folks as, as Mother Teresa. No abortions. Oh, God. Uh, she thought suffering would teach us, teach us about God that we could serve. Serve by suffering. Christopher Hitchens 
used to go nuts when Mother Teresa counseled that masochistic nonsense. Uh, in any case, if we figured out anything by now, if progressives know anything and they don't know much, we know that this population thing, well, oh, what is it they say about cancer cells? Yes, if growth is our morality, right? Yes, if growth is all we know. Anyway, if we mean to survive the 21st century, we have got to be reasonable about population. Uh, my first son was born in 1960. Population, world population has doubled since then. Uh, I was born 1933. There were only two billion human beings on the planet at that time. Motherhood, motherhood. We have to study motherhood from every angle. Uh, Got to get hold of the sacred in a new way. The most important person in any society is a childbearing woman, mostly their adolescence, if you look at the thing globally. Uh, I always imagine waking up in a 21st century oh, say, um, 2050, in a world where no single woman, individual woman on this planet can be coerced into pregnancy. Free choice. She wants it, she can have it. Absolute liberation. If you think that would increase the birth rate, think again. Imagine a world in which no woman's economic survival is in any way dependent upon giving birth. You got that? Women must have liberty, the freedom to choose. It sounds so simple, so ordinary. Back in the early 20th century, Emma Goldman uh, wrote, she had this magazine called Mother Earth. <laughs> She wrote about the education and liberation of women. I've been reading a book on uh, microcredit, all that good stuff about ways in which women can be independent. Uh, Emma Goldman wrote, that's what, three or four generations ago. Here's her quote. A worldwide ignorant motherhood can be more dangerous than a worldwide ignorant military. You can imagine the flack I got for that one. Uh, it's so it's so hard to explain to people uh, that women, what is it, that the whole thing, the whole thing is locked together. People mix up uh, <laughs> sex, love, motherhood, you know, the whole thing gets confused. So many Masses of men and women uh, perceive the thing as what natural, as nature. We call nature our property, which means the sea, the land, the livestock, but first and foremost, our children. That woman, her child, belongs to him. He must have an heir, someone to give his material goods to his property. Thus, we have laws about whether or not the child is legitimate. Aha! Uh -huh. 
she is property. The child she bears is obviously property. I've been reading a couple of other books about uh, the manufacture of slaves in this country. At some point early in the 19th century, uh, it became illegal to import slaves. So we had to, uh, we had to manufacture our own. I, I let your imagination run on that one. We had breeders. Oh, God. Uh, for those at the top of the heap, the ruling class in our society and, well, damn near every society, even today on the globe, there are these veils and masks people wear, especially the men. They want to make the whole thing look civilized, civil, yes, want to get that woman a husband. I've been listening to the senators, the congressmen. They're going to marry her off, especially right here in the West. Ah, yes. We are so virtuous. We only have one wife. <laughs> we are more advanced. Ah, well. The fashions change, but the goal is always the same. Uh, whether it's a mistress or a concubine, or whether it's hypocrisy or just simple... Uh, simple lying, um, all that stuff I think is a turn-on. It was for the Victorians. It's our pathology, our neurosis. Actually, it accounts for most of our poetry, actually. Uh, whether or not we find what we are seeking is idle, biologically speaking. What we need is more babies. It's a labor force. Uh, what matters, of course, is whether or not we are able to care for our children, whether we are able to set them free or whether they too will be slaves. Uh, each new generation has a shot at it. We're trying to create the better man, the wiser woman, just a few of us, a very small proportion of world population. I used to think we needed a school for husbands, a school for wives. It's all too late for that. Uh, by the age of 12, the child is, what is that, shaped. It's a person, has slave mentality, or is a free and liberated person. Uh, whether that person is able to love, well, that's all that counts. Uh, the capacity for love is what separates one human being from another. Uh, I have here now five five books <laughs> about the ways we we live in a state of separation. When I was a kid in the 50s, we used to talk about togetherness, the words coming back. Now that we're in another deep depression, I hear people talking about the fact that uh, in the last Great Depression, we had a notion of shared fate. This time around, I don't think it's quite that way. Uh, Nobody wants to identify with the poor this season. Unless, of course, they are writers, painters, thinkers, or lovers. Uh, next week, oh, shoot, I have a bunch of poems about motherhood, about the throne, and about uh, uh, Afghanistan being uh, a Mutzbelheim, a place where we all go, yes, doomsday, the death of all the gods. 
The great mother's coming to get you folks. I'll have to save it all. Um, <laughs> yes, the crone's coming. I think I'll send it to the writers of that show, Game of Thrones, because the poems are all full of uh, stuff that it echoes William Butler Yeats, the second coming. Maybe the goddess is the third coming mother's miasma. Crimes against nature will be punished by the mother. I got to get off the air. I don't have time to tell you all this stuff. Anyway, next week is Marathon. I have a book by Lisa Perlman called The Sky's the Limit, all about the trial of Huey P. Newton. That is next Tuesday at this time. This has been Jennifer Stone. I will be back at 3 o'clock next Tuesday. Until then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Walk in light. Light them up, boys. Hey, KPFA listener supporters. Our spring fun drive approaches. Beginning Wednesday, May 2nd, we will need phone volunteers to help us raise the support necessary to keep this listener-sponsored free speech radio station going. So come on down to 1929 Martin Luther King, just north of University Avenue here in Berkeley, and join us if you can. This spring fun drive is a great opportunity to help keep KPFA alive. We can't do it without you. That's Wednesday, May 2nd. Doors open at 6.30 a.m. Please support your free speech community radio station. To donate to KPFA and for more info, go to www.kpfa.org. Thank you.